welcome to episode 265 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was published on Monday 25th of January 2021. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the spokesmen. I've got a good mic. But I've yet to fully soundproof my home office. So if you listen carefully, you may be able to hear, as the white noise beneath my voice, birdsong and the distant rumble of traffic. But later, in this not quite an hour long show, you won't be craning your neck to hear a wonderfully different smattering of extraneous audio. I'm Carlton Reed, and on this episode of the Spokesman Podcast, you're going to hear, for a wee while at least, some Italian church bells. They're the sweet, sweet background noise that comes as a package with my guest, Silver Florence, who's an American living in a small Italian town near Bologna. Joining me to quiz Silver about her solo cycle touring is show stalwart Donna Tosi. Hi there, everybody. It's, uh, it's another recording of uh, of the spokesmen, and it really isn't the men today. It, it's it's the spokespeople, very much, uh, <laughs> and I'm outnumbered. In fact, uh, very happily to say, I'm very outnumbered. Uh, we've got one guest who uh, is a regular, who uh, you'll have heard many, many times over many, many years. I shan't say how many years, but a good number of years. And then we've got a complete newbie uh, to 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 the show. So that person who is the old hand, but I haven't talked to you for absolutely ages, I'm afraid to say, is Donna, Donna Tochi over in Massachusetts. Hi, everybody. I, I don't know this whole, you said old like five times, and I'm not really sure that what, the, what that means. But yes, Carlton and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, not not so old that you can get a vaccination. We know not you're not that, that, that old. No, I'm not that old. And we haven't known each other that long. But um, yes. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited. I thought we would do more spokesmen, you know, with everything going on in the world and everybody being in their home. But we haven't. So it's really great to be back. And to it's have somebody to have brand back, new with Donna. us. I know. That's so cool. I, I, to, to be uh, fair and to give an explanation there, it is just so, still so difficult to to get everybody. You know, it's herding cat stuff. It's getting everybody in the same place at the same time, even though everybody is in the same place <laughs> by, by law almost. Uh, yeah. It's still difficult to track people down. So hi there, Donna. It's uh, good to hear you again. And the new guest uh, who... who uh, we want to bring in t- today and who we're going to kind of like semi-interrogate it, it is Silva, Silva Florence. Now, Silva, hello. you're American, <laughs> but you're I not am. in America. No, I've been living in Italy now for almost three years. So why, why are you in Italy and where are you in Italy? Um, I am very close to Bologna, so northern, north central Italy, but I'm in a town called Faenza, which nobody knows about. And most people confuse with the with Florence, Firenze, which is more mm. more known. Mm-hmm. Um, I I came here first in 2009 to be a cycle tour leader, but it was always kind of like a um, seasonal work, and I kept going back and forth. But I had something that kept pulling me back to Italy. So eventually, I decided, okay, it's time. I'm gonna come here and study the language and, and try and stay. So um, I've been here about almost three years in May now. And which, which companies, if, if any, were you actually doing bike tours for? Uh, the company is called Experience Plus, and our, our clients are mostly Americans, Canadians, some, some Brits and some Australians, but largely English-speaking people. So... Obviously, in the last year, we didn't have anything. We had no season. So, mm. yeah, yeah. 
But I, I do, like a lot of English-speaking people over here in Italy, I do a lot of things. So I'm very fortunate that I've been able to still kind of um, make ends meet, even though I haven't had any any bike touring over the last year. So we are going to be talking very much bike touring. So, so Silva got in touch with me and, and, and gave me her backstory, which is fascinating, about the, the, the cycle touring, uh, which we will go on to. But I'm now going to drop um, Donna in here. And just say, uh-huh. you know, drop her in it, really. Have you done any cycle touring, Donna? Have you read any cycle touring? What What is your connection to cycle touring? Silva if any. is my new connection to cycle touring. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, Happy to I do it. <laughs> and she's in Italy. So when we can travel again, I am all mm. on board. Um, but I love guests. I can- I can totally understand the pull of Italy. Um, obviously, my last name means that I have an Italian heritage. So I was wondering, I, actually. Yeah, I would like nothing better than to tour around Italy. Um, that would be wonderful. But no, I, I do not have any prior cycle touring experience. But very happy to hear about it and learn about it. And let's go to we'll Italy, Carlton. Well, let's let's get your Italian background. And how so? How far back is your your heritage there, Miss Tochi? Um, my great grandfather uh, and great grandmother both were from Italy, so not that far back. And okay, down near down near Naples, in a very and very do you, small town. And have you been? Do you do you go back? And have you been back? No, I have. I have only been to Italy once. I am sorry to say, um, it was actually on a press tour for Kryptonite. So there we go with the bike. Mm. But um, and ended up we were we were in a couple of different cities, but then spent the weekend up at Lake Garda for there was happened to be a mountain bike festival up there at the time, and um, went up there and hung out with some mountain bikers for the weekend and. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, I it's always been on my list to go back and especially go back to that area. It's beautiful, so, for sure. So one of the theories that uh, many people are touting, certainly from the, in the tourism uh, sector, is that there's going to be such an aptitude for travel after these lockdowns have finished. And that's going to be travel and all sorts of different forms, including including um, uh, bicycles, but certainly people are going to be wanting to get out of their four walls and and travel. So, Donna, is that something you are definitely is you're thinking about that right now? Yes, we are absolutely thinking about the first place we will go <laughs> <laughs> when we're done. And I think for us, it will be it won't be Italy, unfortunately, but fortunately, it will probably be Ireland because my better half mm-hmm. um, and the bigger cyclist in this family is um, from Ireland originally and his family is there. So um, we will probably go there first. You might Although be racing your vacation. new president. What's that? You might be racing your new president because he's he's got Irish ancestry and he looks as though he's going to be going to Ireland pretty soon. He does. I know. I've I've seen that. And a cycling president. Well, yeah, yes. cycling. But uh, with the, the big controversy now is his Peloton in the White House. <laughs> yes. so, we'll see what happens. I know. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So where will you go, Carlton? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have got a, a, a very, very hard cycling uh, ride to do in the Swiss Alps in Ooh. August. So touch wood, I can get out there, but not touch wood. It's going to be absolutely brutal. It's basically every tough climb in Switzerland, 280 miles or something. It's just crazy. So half of me wants to do it and half of me doesn't want to do it because it's a, it's a tough one. But yeah, that's 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 kind of like what my goal is to maybe get to to, to Switzerland. So, Silva, even though uh, you're now living and you have lived in uh, Faenza near Bologna for three years, you've done some cycle touring and you went across America. So, so when when did you do that 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 trip? So I did that trip. In, I started in October of 2017, and I ended in February of 2018. And that was the longest cycling trip, uh, bike touring trip that I've done alone. But I have done other ones alone and I've done other bike tours in other parts of the world. 
but that one was particularly uh, important because it was one that I did by myself across you, America. You, you did it all by yourself? No support vehicle or anything? No, <laughs> just me. Wow. Yeah, just me. Wow. Staying in what kind of accommodation at night times? So I brought a tent and I brought a stove and I brought everything. So I had, I was very self-sufficient. I was able to stop wherever I wanted, more or less. Um, which I did for about the first month. Um, but then it obviously, because it was over the winter, even though I was going, I went from uh, Berkeley, California to Florida. So it was very far south, but mm-hmm. we still had a little bit of winter weather. I ran into like a blizzard in Louisiana, which was incredibly strange and <laughs> and not normal at all. Um, but I ended up using the warm showers network a lot. Are you guys mm-hmm. familiar with that? No, Don is not. You, okay. I, I am, but you you explain it. I, I'll I'll tell you why I'm I'm familiar with it in a second, Silver. Yeah, because you you've biked to her too. I think I read right, Carlton. Many many years ago, in a previous life, when <laughs> warm showers did not exist, uh, it would have been fantastic <laughs> to be able to hook up. The internet didn't exist when when I was cycle touring. Bravo! Computers had only just been invented. You know, it's like a long time ago. <laughs> Hey, bike touring is bike touring, no matter how you do it. So For sure. So um, yeah, warm- explain warm showers then. It's, it's really cute. Thank you. Yeah, basically warm showers is like, if anybody knows couch surfing, um, it's very similar to couch surfing in that it's a, a hospitality-based uh, website, which people offer for free their homes. And you never know, like maybe you're going to be putting a tent up in their backyard. Maybe you're going to be sleeping on their couch. Maybe if they have an extra room, you can sleep in a bed. And then like the name suggests, you'll get a hot shower. And then part of the culture is that usually you share dinner together or, and or breakfast. And so you get to know the people that you stay with, which is really cool. You feel like you've walked into a family or something. So Mm. I, I used warm showers a lot and it was, it really enriched my, my trip. It was, it was a really beautiful part of it. I, I I know why people use it, but a lone woman using it. Do you have any extra worries when you're you're hooking up with somebody? You're thinking, oh well, I've I've got to go with a couple. I can't be going with this. You know, do, do you have an, an you know antennae for thinking I'm not going to go to that one. I'm going to go to this one. How do you cope that that I wouldn't have to think about these things? But but I'm presuming you you would have to. Sadly, yeah, it's true. It's it's a little bit different for a woman still, unfortunately. Um, just kind of how the where the world is, but honestly, it's not as scary and dangerous as everybody thinks. Like the the ninety five percent of the experiences and the people that I met um, were were positive and were helpful and curious and and wanted to in some way help me out. Um, but as far as warm showers. Um, but lucky or we're all lucky because there's kind of a, a system in place. So when somebody stays with you, you leave them a review and vice versa. So I could go onto these, uh, profiles of, of people I would hope to stay with and I could read reviews about them. And if they didn't have any reviews, maybe I would choose a different one, for example, that had so it's kind reviews. of it's, it's like Airbnb, but you're not you're you're not paying for it. This is exactly. this is given gratis, and then I'm presuming that's bells in the background. It's not your I strange. Love that. Oh, that's my house. That's <laughs> my house. Can you hear yeah, them? It is, it is, yeah, totally cute. I mean, normally we say, "Can you turn your phone off?" You've got strange Italian uh, <laughs> bell ringing as your 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 ringtone. It's like, no, no, no. That's that's where you live. So that's cute. I didn't even notice because it happens like several times a day. I live like very close to a church. So it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. I like it too, actually. Kind of like a a nice uh, soundtrack to my life. And how often do they go off? Are they, that soundtrack to your life is how frequent? Uh, Well, if you'll notice right now, it's seven, it's 518. So they go Mm. off at really weird times. Like actually my neighbor and I laugh about it because it's never... It's never on the hour, like on the quarter hour. It's always like a weird time. So it's it's Sunday though. So they go off maybe like three times a day on Sundays or something. So presumably it's religious then. It's like as in not a time thing. It's like taking you to Vespers or something. I don't, I'm not religious. I don't know. But I don't know be, either because I'm be super not religious. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's connected because it's Sunday. So 
Yeah, yeah. strange time. I mean, <laughs> that's just an odd, it's not like five o'clock or even 5.15 or 5.30. I mean, it's I feel odd. like there's something about like six o'clock. So maybe it's like, go quick, get your coffee because you're Italian and then go to Vespers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love living here. Yeah. So and it's still going on. So it's quite, quite it a long still time. Going on. Um, yeah, it'll go for a while. Wow. <laughs> so Carlton, have you hmm. done any bike touring around the U.S.? Like when you were here for maybe Interbike or Sea Otter or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. For many, many years. Well, every time I came, I'd always try and fit in a bike tour. So sometimes I'd hire a car. So I've done a lot of desert trips. So I'd hire cool. a car and get out somewhere get my bike out, uh, do some trips around, then get in the car, go somewhere else. When I was connected to, to, uh, uh, the, the, the kind of the schedule of doing uh, trade shows. But even before that I would in now, this is now in the 1980s. So this is now dating me very much. So then I would fly in and I would just do American deserts and, and spend a month. So every, every, um, university holiday I had after I'd already I'd already spent two years cycling around and and just doing stuff um, on a bike somewhere in the world generally in the Middle East and then when I went to university I would then spend one month every year somewhere exotic and it would either be the Sahara uh, or I then uh, went to the Kalahari Desert and then I decided to do uh, some of the American deserts so. So went out and, and, and spent time doing solo bike touring or sometimes with an Israeli friend, in fact, who I had, who we did, uh, the, the, uh, uh, we went into Mexico and so did some of the, uh, uh, the deserts, that part of the world. So I'm very much a desert cycle tourist. That's what I like the best is, yeah, is getting why? really dusty. The desert's awesome. Why do you like well, it? Yeah. Why? Um, I'm British. I get rained on a lot. <laughs> That's true. I was going for the opposite. Let's go somewhere the opposite to where I am. Okay, deserts. So, I just, I just, I just absolutely loved uh, literally getting dusty at uh, riding along. So I've, I've done uh, lots and lots of, of deserts in my time and even took so that's why my son Josh. That's why he then graduated, become a cycle tourist. So we used to do some pretty uh, adventurous trips, including to Iceland. So Iceland, you might think of as like a snowy, you know, ice place, but it's actually the biggest desert in Europe in that there's no, there's no rainfall, very little rainfall at, at, at certain times of the year and uh, enormous expanses of, in effect, volcanic sand. So uh, Iceland is a, is a place we went to and, and spent time in with my, with my son. So in effect, teaching him desert um, survival techniques even though it wasn't a hot desert it was a a, a cold desert but uh, I will go to deserts wherever they are even now they're pretty awesome there's something about the desert like there's like a silence in the desert that you find especially Mm -hmm. at night that I've never found anywhere else like it's, yeah, it's just so... and looking up at the sky as well. The sky it tends to be amazing in deserts. So yeah. the, obviously you're not going to get any clouds, and so you just lie back. And I, I'd lie back in the the Saharan, literally the Saharan sands, in a in a sleeping bag, and just look at the amazing, amazing sky, which I've never seen anywhere else. You know, the deserts you just see just masses of stars. It's just incredible. Anyway, why are we talking deserts? No, I would think you would have to prepare very differently for a desert tour rather than what Silva did, you know, going from coast to coast. I mean, where there's a ton of cars and people and all of that. What would be the differences in preparing? Well, actually, I went through the desert through from from Eastern California until until midway through texas was all desert pretty much mm. so so yeah you've got you... pretty cute nice service stations so you, you can just pull in and and getting a coffee and a donut in in the middle of the desert which is which is kind of cool did you find which that is you the like, most yeah. healthy um way to <laughs> refuel <laughs> although when you're donut. cycling you need a lot of calories so it's true 
Mm. And caffeine never hurts. Um, I actually found that the American deserts were less populated than uh, deserts elsewhere in the world. So Kalahari, the Sahara, there's there's probably habitation every five, ten miles. Whereas in an American desert, it's literally how far you can get in a car. You know, that's well, actually, where the, the service stations would be. Actually, so I was, I went, because most, when you cycle, as you know, you don't take the main routes because they're trafficy and maybe not, because when usually when you travel, you, you look to kind of enjoy what you're going through. Like some people do want to ride as much as they can in one day, but I'm, I'm not necessarily one of those people. I try to cover some distance if I can, but I really like to also enjoy what I'm going through. And the route that I followed took me away from interstates unless there was no other road. Sometimes I had to ride on an interstate, mm-hmm. but the, the, um, the towns were actually about maybe a hundred kilometers, 60 miles spaced apart because it was where the train used to stop. Mm-hmm. So, so between those, those 60 mile, hundred kilometer points, there was absolutely nothing. Mm. And some, and sometimes it was, there was a town on the map, but it wasn't actually a town. It was like a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And, and so you really had to think about water. You had to, really had to think about carrying water, enough water for the day or even the night if you're going to camp or something or you didn't know. Uh, and really getting – I asked a lot of people because sometimes there was like a, a faucet maybe behind like the, the library or the post office or something so I could fill up water. But other than that, there was nothing. So mm. it was it was logistically interesting for sure. Now, so you, you were going through a few climate zones there. Route? What, what's that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carla. Well, well, Donna said, how did you plan the route? And my question was about, you're going through a few different climate zones. So how are you planning? Were you jettisoning clothing and, and m- mailing it back? Or did you carry everything? So planning and clothing. <laughs> so, um, okay. So for planning, um, I started in uh, Berkeley, where my brother lives, and I rode to San Diego. And then I followed what's called the Southern Tier Route, which is um, the American Cycling Association's route that they've kind of already come up with. And it's like well known enough in, in cycling culture, I guess. So they give you the route, but they don't tell you where to stop. So you have to, you have to figure it out on your own, where you're going to stop, where you want to stay, that kind of thing. So after a while, I kind of just got into a pattern where I was contacting warm showers hosts on the road ahead of me, maybe because I I discovered that they appreciated, you know, a few days to a week of notice. So I would try to contact them with some notice if I could. And I was also contacting uh, churches and fire stations and police stations to ask them if I could camp or stay um, there to, to save money. Cause it was almost a five month trip. Um, and then as far as, as clothing and things that I brought, I brought everything because I started in October and I finished in mid February. And so I kind of needed, I needed everything, honestly. Um, when I started in, in California, I, I was dealing with heat waves, like over a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, which I think is like 35 mm. maybe mm-hmm. Celsius. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Louisiana, I had a blizzard. So I needed everything. <laughs> I needed absolutely everything. So um, I carried it all with me, but luckily having done this for many years, I have kind of accumulated a lot of the gear. So I'm very lucky. Like I had everything that I needed, light, light gear. So, and so why was that? I, I, you've told us why you started in Berkeley because your brother. Uh, why did you end in Louisiana? I ended in Florida. Oh, Florida, sorry, Florida, Florida. Sorry, Florida. Why did you end in Florida? No problem. Um, because that because I was going coast to coast. So I was going from the the Pacific to the Atlantic, basically, and I was I was following this already more or less established route, even though I went off of it a few times, which started in San Diego and ended in St. Augustine, Florida. So I, I basically just followed it until the end, till, till Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I always wanted to do this, this Southern tier trip. Mm. Mm. 
and I don't want to get too rude here. And you, you can Americans can absolutely stop me here if you say you can't say these sort of things. But an awful lot <laughs> of the, the, the states you were going through are very rudely uh, called flyover states. Yeah. And and are you going to stop me here now, or should I just? Carry no, no, go ahead. So they, go they're, ahead. Called, they're called they're called flyover states for 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 a reason. Whereas you know, obviously, uh, people go from one. Uh, one American coast to the other American coast, and then don't go into the hinterland. Mm-hmm. And that hinterland. I can't wait to see the comments we're going to get for this. Go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> especially where I'm going with this. So the hinterland we'll right now also has a reputation for certain kinds of politics. When you were going through, did you? see any massive changes in politics and how you were treated i don't know how you can skirt around these things or whether you never saw any of this because because it just didn't come up but describe how where i'm going here and what you think i'm talking about and and Mm -hmm. how the political how people view politics can maybe even change how they view a stranger coming into their midst Mm-hmm. Or cyclists. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that in in every part of the world, there are folks that are very accommodating to cyclists, and mm-hmm. that there are other parts that are very much not. So did you encounter any of that as well? These are very interesting questions. And actually, <laughs> yeah, seriously, or not answer. So. No, 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 I'm, I'm happy to. I'm okay. So I when I wrote in, I, I told Carlton that I, I wrote a book about this trip. So I, I wrote a book while, while I was writing across the United States, which I'm now trying to, to pitch to editors and things and decide what I want to do with it. But I talk about this kind of stuff because, for example, like going into the dirty South, as we call it, <laughs> like it's not, it's not necessarily a place that people think would be like, Hey, I would love to go like ride my bike through uh, the dirty South because there's not in general, a lot of infrastructure for cycling and for cyclists. And when you ride through some of these areas and I didn't even really understand it. So I'm really grateful to have experienced this so that I understand my own country better, our own country. But when you go into the southeast, in in particular places, for example, like Baton Rouge, which I rode through, a bicycle is kind of seen. A bicycle is seen as either maybe like a not not probably by everyone. I'm generalizing, but as a as a rich person's sport, mm-hmm. or as something that people do when they when they're really poor and they can't afford a car. And so I was kind of like in the middle of this. So like a weird, like what, what in the world is this girl doing? You know? So they were, I had a lot of problems with traffic and had a lot of people with not, not giving me space, like really brushing me very close. Like a few times I was almost knocked off the road and things like that. But I think it wasn't, it wasn't a point of like them trying to be mean or aggressive. It was more like they just didn't understand where I fit into the scheme of things. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a super poor person and I wasn't like somebody on a fancy road bike. I was like this weird girl going through with a pirate flag and bags because I had a pirate flag on my bike. A pirate flag. I, I found it on the side of the road in Eastern California and I just like couldn't help myself. I flew, I flew it all the way to Florida. So uh, the Kenny Chesney fans would love that. <laughs> it was the pirate ship. My bike was the pirate ship. So, so tell, tell, tell me about your bike. What what kind of bike are you talking about here? Um, well, I'm one of those weird people who likes to name everything. So her name is Penny because she's the color of like a penny, uh, a US one cent. Um, and it's a it's a Richie bike, but it was like Richie made it for Dehan, the the brand Dehan. But it's a Richie, it's a Richie Tornado, basically. And it's coupled, so it comes apart, and you can put it into a suitcase. Basically, it's made for this kind of stuff. Thank you, Richie. Yeah, the, the is that the S and S couplings? It's that that thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the like oh, the, the brake cables come apart, and it's hmm. got its like suitcase, and um, you 
I carry like a, a collapsible cloth bag, which I had my brother send me from Berkeley and I had him send it to my warm shower host in St. Augustine so that I could bring it to a bag shop and have them put it, help me put it into a bag. But you've got to like take a cardboard box apart and make a sort of an internal frame for the, for the box. It's a, a bit involved, but you can do it. And then are you old school with like panniers? Do you have a trailer or are you like new school in that it's, it's, it's bikepacking? Um, I'm a little bit half and half, I guess, because I've done bikepacking. And so I've got what's called a sweet roll, which I absolutely love for my handlebars where I put my tent and my fuel and a couple other things. And then I have panniers on the back. Um, and I often also use a front rack with panniers, but it had broken right before the trip and I didn't have time to, to buy a new one and get it all figured out. So I'm, I guess I'm like middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Best old. Both yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Whatever works really. And is that bike, the collapsible bike, something you're, you're still riding? Is that your, like your go-to bike? Uh, I brought it over here to Italy and um, actually after the first, after the lockdown that we had that ended in June, I rode um, 18 days, I think, by myself from where I live to very Southern Tuscany. So I, I use that bike as well. So yeah, it's it's still in, in action. A pretty flexible machine that if you can take it apart, that's a good bike to bring with you from America into Italy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's very much in use. I have mm-hmm. I have four bikes, if I'm going to be honest. So with you there uh, now, or yeah. just in in life in general. <laughs> with me now, with me now, I have oh, four bicycles. A good bike person has more than one. <laughs> Brava, as I would say, yes. <laughs> um, so I have a question, Silva. So you did this all by yourself, which is amazing and awesome. Thank you. Um, did you know where you were going to end? And did you have to some days, because I'm sure some days it was like, yes, this is fantastic. I love this. And other days were probably a little bit of a slog, like, okay, I just want to get through the miles today. Did you, did you use any visualization to like, I know exactly where I'm going to end? Or did you not know where you were going to end? You just knew you were going to end on the coast of Florida. Well, because I was following this route, to St. Augustine, Florida, I knew that I was going to end there. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to stop riding when I arrived in St. Augustine. I was so happy with bike touring and, and just the feeling of being on the road and being so free to and autonomous with all the stuff that I had, I would have loved to continue. But by that point, (laughs) while riding, I had already planned my move to Italy. So I kind of had to uh, return to my parents house where I had my stuff in the interim and start getting my visa and everything together to move to Italy so I suppose maybe, yes maybe maybe I'm wrong here Donna but maybe the question was a, a daily thing even though you had your 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 eventual uh target did you know each day where you were going to stop like was it just literally you just rode until you stopped was that was that be right Donna that's kind of the question I'm kind of yeah how how you'd ride every day but how did okay, you get sorry. that motivate how did you get that motivation every day to go out on the days that were hard because there have to have been some days where you were sore or you just kind of didn't feel it maybe I mean in 5 months there's had to have been a couple of days that were not your favorite so did you do any visualization or did you just say no I I just kind of grit through it and got to do it Um I think I don't know. I think it's probably a bit of both. I'm really a very stubborn person and I'm kind of, I'm rather determined. And so when I when I see something that I want to do even though I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to to do it or figure it out, I kind of keep looking at that and saying I'm going to do that. And so there were definitely some days that were really rough. Like I had I had a lot of I mean, as any long bike tour, anybody that ever goes on a long bike tour, there's all sorts of things that happen to you. I had bike problems. I had blizzards, landslides, heat waves, knee problems, like everything imaginable, which is kind of normal. And 
but for me, it actually became kind of a joy to, to problem solve and to say, okay, I've got this problem, but how am I going to figure it out? And then like not seeing it more as, as a a problem, more as like a, a fun challenge or something. And definitely there were some days where I was like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. But then the next day would be completely different or some, or I would meet somebody that would just pick my spirits up in like a second. It was, I don't know. Bike touring is, is one of those things that it's like incredibly hard, but it's also really rewarding. And so by the time you get to the end, you look at the whole thing as being something more rewarding than it was punishing or hard because you're changed. Sorry. So do you feel like your 18 days to Tuscany was like going around the corner for milk? (laughs) 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 I mean, actually at the end of that too, I didn't want to stop either, but I had some bureaucratic stuff. I had to to come back and, and go to the Questura, which is like the, the police, uh, that deals with immigration. So, um, but <laughs> my friends were laughing at me because I could have just gone the easy way and I could have, um, like not climbed like a thousand meters a day, but I chose a route in which I really pushed myself and climbed a lot. So I made it not necessarily very easy for myself, but it was incredible. Oh, so you and Carlton with the mountains. Good. Carlton, you like to climb too? Yeah, that's my favorite. I'm sad to say it. My favorite is climbing. Me too. Including the bags on. So, mm. so yeah, it's nice to go up in a nice, you know, incredibly light, light uh, road bike. But it's also really nice to go up with really heavy bags, <laughs> and then for people to be cheering you, and 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 cars to be stopping, and 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 that kind of stuff. So that that's also cool. So, now, so where? Long, how, oh, sorry, no, go, go Donna. Go. No, no go. You go first. I might have missed it, Carlton. How long is your event in um, the summer in Switzerland? Well, that's a okay. one-day thing. So that's 280 miles in a day over every single mountain. So that's why I was going, oh, it's, uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> wow. Cool. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's the Tour de Station. It, you go over every um, Swiss uh, ski resort, in effect. Uh, in the summer and it's an everesting thing as well so it's new for this year so you're definitely doing uh the height of everest uh in your in your day of punishing climbs so they've, they've extended the distance of an ex- already brutal course and how dare uh the tourist board invite me across <laughs> for such a punishment uh, how are you training nice for that well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not. That that'll start soon. <laughs> but how will you train for it? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll do hills. I'll, <laughs> I can get out and do some hills. It, do you have some good yeah. hills where you live? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I can I can do some elevation, but it's so tough to do a, a, a trip like this because it's just hill after hill after. But the, on the plus side, you've also got downhills, plenty of downhills. So it's it's not the whole way. So my question, Silver, was was uh, was going to be: You've talked about where you've been, and you haven't talked about every one of your your places you've you've been to. But sure. one of the things we started talking about right at the beginning was all about how our our dreams about lockdown. So have you got dreams about uh, cycle touring, so independent cycle tours coming up? Have you got stuff planned? Uh, planned, planned. No, because it's just really difficult here. Like, I don't know how the lockdown stuff is where you guys are, but here we have just Mm. kind of a seemingly never ending series of regulations that right now where I live in Emilia Romagna is in what's called the orange zone. So we have kind of tiers of yellow, orange, and red, and we're in orange, um, which signifies that we can't leave our towns. Um, Mm -hmm. And we can't, and we have a curfew, which we've had since the beginning of November at 10 PM and a lot of different other things, bars and restaurants closed, blah, blah, blah. So it's very difficult to actually plan something because we don't know when it's going to (laughs) end. But, you know, like those of us that travel and that love this kind of stuff are always dreaming and we always have like four trips in mind. So Mm. what I would really like is to ride from here to Spain 
because I've got some friends there and I've never been to Spain. And so I would absolutely love to ride from Fianza to Spain by myself. Mm -hmm. By yourself. So that's, that's, I mean, that that is one of the things I also get asked loads of times is about the the solo stuff. Why, why do it solo? So uh, nobody's going to ask me. I'll just ask you why, (laughs) why solo? Mm, for me, um, well, a lot of the people that I talk to, especially a lot of other women and Donna, I'm not saying that you're in this group or I don't know what your experiences are, but there's a lot of women who don't feel comfortable traveling by themselves because they really are afraid of, mm, I hate to say it like men and just the way that the world is, but I guess I don't necessarily see that for myself as a barrier because I, I trust and expect that like good things will come my way and they always do. And I'm very, I'm very aware. I'm not going to be naive. And if I feel something weird, I'm not going to go to that person's house where I'm not even going to necessarily talk to that person. But I love to travel by myself because I feel like it really opens people's, opens people's doors. It opens people's minds and it opens people's hearts. Like it's a very, You meet a lot of really cool people. You honestly. meet people, yeah. That's my answer as well. That is because it's people think, "Oh, you're just so low that you're not. You're just being horrible." But you're not. You're being incredibly <laughs> social. Because I found that when you're, I don't know how it's it's for you. So, but when you travel with two or or more people, you're in that little clique. You're in a little bubble, sure. And you can often miss stuff because you're with somebody else. But when you're by yourself, you see everything. And you are open to, to talking to, to anybody and people also come to you more. If you're in a group or if you're in just even just two people, a lot of people just won't come up and talk to you because you've, you've got a friend, you've got somebody to talk to, no need to go and talk to that, that strange exotic person over there. But sure. when you're by yourself, that strange exotic person is all of a sudden very approachable because it's only you. So that, that was my fight. It wasn't an antisocial thing. It was actually the opposite. You're more likely to talk to people if you're by yourself. Sure. And and you're free to, for example, say you meet somebody who's really cool and they invite you to say, come to this town. That's maybe not the direction that you would plan to go, but you're the only one that decides if you're going to keep going left or if you're going to go right. So if you meet these people and they say, let's go right, then you can go. And it completely changes your experience. It's really cool. It's like going with the flow. Mm. Mm. No, no, I, 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 it's all flooding back silver basically <laughs> i imagine but i haven't been asked i haven't done solo tours for so long uh, that that i haven't been asked why do you do solo tours but i now remember why i did solo tours <laughs> yeah for that reason that you've given as well so thank you thank you for the memories you're basically. welcome anytime most people think i'm insane donna you've got to get out there by yourself <laughs> would you do it um, donna would you do it a solo tour Sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's me. I I would go out for solo rides. Sure. I don't have any problem doing that. I have done that. Um, So, and I think you're right. I think just in general, no matter how you're traveling, um, that if you're by yourself, you're more approachable to others. I think, you know, like you said, if you already have a friend with you or two friends, somebody's not going to come up and, and talk to you necessarily. But when you're by yourself, sure, people feel like they can approach you more. Um, so a solo bike tour, I don't know, just because I've, I've not done it doesn't mean I wouldn't, but, um, but bike ride, sure, absolutely. I, I have no fear about that. Silver. So also, this I guess to many people this would sound odd, but because um, because most people would think of, of bicycling uh, in in the boondocks as an inherently dangerous thing to do. I, me and you probably don't don't think that, but many people do. But mm-hmm. do you think actually, as a as a solo woman, actually a bicycle is actually a really good way of being a solo woman because actually it's 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 easier because you are absolutely in charge of the vehicle that's taking you places. Whereas if you're a solo woman on a bus, on a train, there's potentially actually more uh, dodgy um, 
connections with 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 people who might not be as 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 nice as you'd think. Whereas on a bicycle, you can just go. Well, there's, there's somebody up ahead. I don't want to see them. I'll go that way instead. Do you see a bicycle as actually a means of of a very good way of, of a woman traveling for safety reasons? I- I will take that. I will say not only traveling, I do a lot of walking in the summertime because I train, I actually train Carlton. You might want to train for that whole thing in Switzerland, Um, (laughs) but I train for um, doing a marathon walk every year um, for the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute here in Boston. And when you're walking, I'm very much more aware of my surroundings and who's around me and all of that as I'm walking you know, 15 miles on a day and all of that. But when I'm on my bike, I, it's not that I worry when I walk, I live in a safe neighborhood, but I do look at all my surroundings and and all of that a lot more. But when I'm on my bike, I, I don't, it's not that I don't pay attention to cars and people and all of that, but there isn't, there's just another element that's not there. So I think you're right. Yeah. A bike is, I think a little safer in some ways. I don't know about Silver, you, Silva. Same, same, same question to you then, Silva. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're definitely when you're on a bike, you have the decision of where you're going to go because you're in charge of the the vehicle. Um, and often when you're bike touring, as you probably know, Carlton, like you don't go through main avenues so much. You're kind of on the periphery, and so you kind of you kind of sneak by things. Like if you don't really want to be seen, you don't have to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like, and so. For me, I would just really use it as like a tool of exploration and I would go where I felt good and where I didn't feel good, I would kind of choose another route. And I, I encountered a lot of people that were really afraid that would ask me like, well, aren't you afraid to be doing what you're doing? Or I would never do, I would never be able to do that because with the world as it is or whatever, but I don't, I don't really see the world as being that way. And so I don't know. Like I, I found such good experiences and this is like not only this trip, but over almost 10 years now of bike touring. And so as a solo woman, there are some places where I probably, maybe I wouldn't go by myself or maybe like the middle East, perhaps I would want to have another girlfriend or somebody with me, but Mm. most places also in Italy and Europe, I would feel comfortable going on my own on a bicycle it's such an amazing place, a way to see the world. I agree. Uh, I think we're going to have to wrap up for t- today. Um, but by doing so, I'd like to ask, so where where can people who are listening to this, where can they find out more information and, and perhaps uh, how are they going to be able to find your book eventually? H- how are you on social media where you can tell people where your books can come from? And where do people find you is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a website, which is uh, thesilvalining.com. So my name, S-Y-L-V-A, lining.com. And my Instagram is also thesilvalining. And um, Facebook, thesilvalining. Everything is thesilvalining. Which and is kind Instagram of- has, has tons and tons of bike touring pictures, or is it your life in general? Uh, I just started a new a new Instagram for specifically for to promote the book and just my life experience in Italy and that kind of thing, which is the silver lining. Otherwise, if you want to see some pictures of the trip, it's Silvana Firenze, which is kind of my name translated in Italian. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure how yet, how I'm going to get the book out, but it's ready and I'm just trying to find the best, the best course for it. But I think it's got a home. What about, what about self-publishing? I, I thought about that too. Mm-hmm. If I can find enough people who would be interested in it as as an audience, I would absolutely self-publish it as well. So well, right now is research. I've kind of got experience there in that I've, I've done two crowdsourced books, uh, uh, which in, in how much uh, in American money? Well, t- 25,000 pounds. Uh, Not bad. Uh, book. Uh, no, well, first one was fifteen thousand pounds. Second one was twenty five thousand pounds. So there is definitely an audience for 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 books out there, even niche niche and cycling mm-hmm. is niche uh, niche books. Um, so I would I personally I, I'd recommend uh, rather than waiting for the world to come to you on this one, uh, get out there and 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 get it self published and and perhaps crowdsource it uh, to begin with. I guess we should have a chat off uh, off podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, no, 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 totally. Uh, happy to, to, to help you. Uh, and, and Donna, where where can people find you at the moment? Oh, the and your dogs. Find- Oh, my dog. Um, you can always find me on Twitter at Donna Tosi and um, you can find me on Instagram. And that's what Carlton was talking about. That's more my dogs and my life and all of that. But it's all there um, at Donna Tosi as well on Instagram. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you both ever so much uh, for chatting today. And and Silva, thank you for getting my memories flooding back. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it's been a pleasure. A, after, after lockdown, I'll definitely have to get out uh, and do more solo bike touring. Yeah, and I will be able to use warm showers this time. Uh, wasn't able to in the dark ages when I was last cycle touring, but uh, I've got that to look forward to. Uh, so thank you ever so much uh, for being on the show. And thank you to for Donna for asking some great questions too and for keeping the conversation flowing. Thanks to Donna Tosi and Silver Florence for today's cycle touring chat. This has been episode 265 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Links to things we were chatting about, such as warm showers, the Dana Farber uh, Marathon Challenge, and the Southern Tier Route, and more, can be found on the-spokesmen.com. I've also provided a link to the Tour de Station. I just looked. It's not 280 miles, thankfully. It's actually 242 kilometres. I was scaring myself, obviously. Uh, But 242 kilometres is still the thick end of 150 miles. So it's still brutal. And still with uh, 8,848 metres of ascent, uh, that's still the height of Everest. No doubt I'll do a podcast on it. Very huffy, puffy podcast. Anyway, tomorrow I'll be talking with mountain bike legend Gary Fisher... And then the following day, I've booked in with The Guardian's political editor, Peter Walker. Both have got great books out, uh, which I've now got to read. And those shows uh, will be out uh, in a wee while. But uh, meanwhile, get out there and ride. Ride.